Thank you so much for joining us on this latest episode of The Alternate. I'm Nate Schaus, your host, and tonight it is my uh, great pleasure to introduce um, a guest who I have not had the pleasure of actually getting to know in person, but um, have had the, the pleasure of speaking to uh, just before we started recording this episode, but I'm very familiar with uh, his work um, through his vocal talents and his passion and love for God through song, and that is uh, Brother Michael Eldridge. Um, Michael, thank you so much for, uh, for being my guest this evening. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. <laughs> so um, for those who maybe aren't familiar with Michael, um, he does a four-part harmony recording, um, singing all four parts, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass, of hymns uh, in a cappella. And he does so under the uh, the title of Acapeldridge, which I'm assuming that's kind of a combination of uh, acapella and your last name. Is that correct? Yes, sir, it is. That's wonderful. And you've had um, quite quite a few albums now. I believe that you've uh, you've been able to record. Is it um, five or six or more than that? It's five and uh, working on number six. And the time sure has gone quite quickly since I started this back. <laughs> In 2017, originally I thought, you know, let's let's just start with one. And, you know, if, if anybody's interested in it, then, you know, it'll speak for itself. And and maybe we'll do a second. We'll we'll just see how it goes. And oh. it's it's certainly been a blessing over the last rounding three years now um, since since I first started beginning this little project of mine. Well, that's fantastic. Can you um, can you tell us a little bit about that project? I'm I'm interested to know um, kind of uh, the motivation behind what uh, what prompted you to uh, to do this. Yeah, when I was a kid, my sister uh, gave me a couple CDs of a family of brothers who uh, basically did the, you know the same kind of thing that I had wanted to do. They didn't do uh, one person for all of the voices, um, but they would all you know make acapella songs, and these were the songs that you know I knew. And so to be able to hear them on a CD, you know, in, on, in the car or whatever, just doing my own thing during the day and to be able to sing along uh, was something that I really started to treasure. And, um, you know, I, even when I had my first car, I, th these were the first CDs that I had in there and I would, you know, crank them out as, you know, any high school student does, you know, whenever he's got music in the car, it's loud and I would be playing these <laughs> hymns. And so I just. I always had a love for, for that kind of presentation of the hymns, um, just for how personal it became, being able to listen to it at home on my own time and internalize the messages there. And so I'd always had this kind of desire in my heart to do something similar. And, you know, throughout the years, I've seen individuals combine their own voice on YouTube. And most of the time, it's with a secular presentation, you know, a Disney compilation or something like that. But um, I had seen uh, a gentleman by the name of Sam Robinson, Ro Robinson or Robeson, I can't remember, uh, who had done a version of I Need Thee Every Hour, and he had mm. stacked his voices on top, and it just, you know, it hit me, and I'm like, this this is something that I really want to do. Um, but for me, it was a technical technological barrier, trying to figure out how do I actually go about doing this, because I'm not an audio engineer at all, and that's been a big barrier for me is just figuring out like what do I even need to buy? What do I need to invest in? And how do I get a program on the computer? Like what all, what all do I have to do here? So that was a barrier for me uh, until a friend of mine showed me an app on my iPhone 
where I could, you know, literally just record my face and it would use the iPhone as the microphone. So there wasn't any integrative technology needed and I could stack my voices. And it was a little crude because, you know, you're just using your phone microphone. But uh, eventually I, I got it to um, get just far enough to say, OK, I, I want to start investing in some proper technology. Now, this is something that I really want to do. It gave me just that spark that I needed. And I kind of dove head first into it and figured out as much as I could and wound up at the other end with with what you see on YouTube and Facebook nowadays, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, and Spotify and hopefully a bunch of other platforms oh, yeah. as well, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, all over. Oh, that's that's so that's just so encouraging. I love that. Uh, that's uh, I think the the fear of the unknown is uh, something that really is a demotivator for so many of us because uh, like you said you know we may have a a spark of curiosity of something that either we see someone else do or an idea that we have uh, that we're like you know i think i could do something like that and maybe it's got a spiritual bent to it or i could find a way of making this uh, more focused on god where like you said maybe you know, in, in times past, it had been more secularly focused, uh, but then just not knowing, not knowing um, if it'll succeed or fail, not knowing exactly what all you need to do, I think sometimes keeps us from taking that first jump, you know, like you said, and, and getting into it and then realizing that it's a lot easier than what we thought. Um, and I think that's just so powerful, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and as I look back, you know, to me, you know, going through, um, you know, I'm a pharmacist by trade. And as I look back at what that that whole graduate school really did is all it did was teach me how to look up things that I don't know. Um, and with this music stuff, now that I look back and think about it, I mean, I really had no idea what to do. I just had desire. And the difference, I feel like when starting this project compared to other times in my life is just I kind of lost that fear of reaching out to people and asking. Um you know, just up the street from me here in Fort Wayne, there's, you know, a giant music, one of the largest online music providers, um, music equipment providers called Sweetwater. And mm. like they've got their own recording studios and they've got all the equipment anybody would ever need. I mean, they supply the equipment for, you know, you know, rock bands and stuff. So, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I don't even know what I don't know. So I just walk up to somebody and say, hey, here's what I want to do. Can you tell me what I need? And they're like, yeah, you're going to need this microphone and you're going to need this one little piece of equipment to combine the microphone with your computer. And that's pretty much it. I'm like, oh, that was a lot easier than I thought. <laughs> and, you know, you learn to hook up the stuff and, and learn how to tinker with the knobs and whatnot. And there's a little bit of trial by error there. But you know, then you get to another barrier of like, all right, now that I've recorded this stuff, like, how do I do it so that it's professional? And so that it doesn't sound like it's somebody who's not an audio engineer just messing around in his walk-in closet. And <laughs> surprisingly for that, I had reached out. I'd made an article on or an ad on Craigslist, and I had mm -hmm. just put out a general thing. I said, hey, if anybody knows how to do any kind of audio anything, I, I will pay you for your time. I just want to learn. And a gentleman from New York City uh, reached out to me. And he said, hey, I don't really want to teach you this stuff because I'll be honest, there's a lot to teach you. But I work with professional musicians, and I would be happy to just do the work for you. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's just remarkable how once you have the courage to just ask those first questions of how do I get started, that I think God really does open up those doors. And 
that that to me is one of the most providential parts of this journey of mine is is you know like that guy in new york who i continue to work with and have a great working relationship with today it's you know i asked him one time i said if you were an angel you would tell me right he's like yeah i i would tell you i'm like how on earth did you even find me like he doesn't live in indiana he's like yeah he just he just found it and I, i have to believe that god had a hand in that so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, as, as has been mentioned in, in previous episodes, you know, when we when we are doing what God wants us to and we are chasing after God's will, it's amazing what doors and windows and nooks and crannies he finds uh, able to open to us and to put people in our lives at the right time, mm-hmm. um, all for his glory. Absolutely. So that's, that's so neat, man. Ah, well, and I don't want to... Um, I don't want to pigeonhole you into just music and singing because I know that you're multifaceted and um, I know that you mentioned that you do preach and I'm sure you also teach as well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just super excited to talk to you about singing tonight. Sure. Um, so hopefully I'll, <laughs> I'll entice you to come back for a future episode. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love so. that. <laughs> but um, singing and music, I, and, and I would love to get your perspective on this. I don't know necessarily why this is other than maybe it's uncomfortable for people, but it seems like the one aspect of worship that if given the choice, there are brothers and sisters that would rather not come if they know that we're going to have a singing night mm-hmm. or at least, you know, pre COVID-19, um, you know, anytime that it seemed like the elders would announce, Hey, we're going to have a singing night. You would see a drastic drop in the numbers of the normal, members and sure. and I don't know why that is do you do you have any any thoughts on that as far as why people wouldn't want to spend you know 45 minutes an hour hour and a half gathered together singing hymns to God no oh, for sure well I mean I know that not everybody is as comfortable with their own voice and you can't make people believe that they can sing better than they actually can but that's not why God commanded us to sing he didn't command us to sing only if it sounded good or if we were comfortable with the way that it sounded. And truthful, he wanted us to get so much more out of that. When you put the emphasis in these songs where it's supposed to be on the meaning of the message and the fellowship that you have when you share that song with brothers and sisters, you stand around and you look around the congregation and you see You literally see and you literally hear your brothers and sisters repeating the same fundamental truths that you hold dear. That's that's what God has always intended for us in song. And then when you combine the aspects of harmony and where multiple people are singing different parts and those parts join so melodiously and perfectly and it elevates them to a different level than just singing in unison. Well, then you've got a glimpse of the fellowship that we have with God, what he's always intended. You know, I, I think that, and I'm kind of getting off on the side here, as I said, I sometimes do. <laughs> you know, when we look at our life here on earth and we try to think of what heaven's going to be like, I think God has given us all of the elements of our life as shadows to show us what heaven will really be like, because we don't know what mm-hmm. it'll be. We just, we just have shadows now. Like we don't know what God looks like, but whatever he looks like, I will be like that. We don't know what the fellowship will exactly be like, but I tell you, there's a harmony in it. There's a simplicity to it. There's listening to other people. There's a swelling of the heart when you share the most important things with the people who are next to you. 
that I mean, that's what heaven's going to be like. And so if we partake in these elements of worship and we see these things as glimpses of heaven, then I think we do get the meaning. But if we do just simplify it to just a vocal exercise and we're going to put pressure on sounding good as as far as our human ears would dictate, I can absolutely understand why people wouldn't want to go. And I understand that not every circumstance will be like that. And, you know, who knows? Maybe there are exceptions. There Maybe there are other reasons. You know, I'm just speaking in generalities. But I think if we focus on why God gave us singing, then we will want to do it, whether we have a voice that we like to sing with or whether we don't. That's that's excellent. And it's it, it, it does intrigue me that it's the one aspect of worship that we see will transcend into the spiritual realm of some form or fashion. Um, you know, every, everything else is going to pass away with this world, but yet singing is going to continue. And I, I, I find that absolutely amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you're right. The, um, there is something about the, the combination of words and music and that harmony. Um, I'm sure you probably get goosebumps when you hear certain chords, oh, yeah. you know, and it just lines up perfectly. Yeah. It, it just goes beyond description, you know, trying to describe why you had that, that reaction the way you did, but just because it's so beautiful and it does something to you that nothing else does. And so it's extremely personal. And, and I think that shows the, the wisdom of God in doing that and knowing that we are musical uh, for the vast majority of people. I'm sure there, there are exceptions to the rule and there are people that don't like music, but maybe it's just because they haven't found a particular type of music that they like. But, you know, the overwhelming majority of us, we do. We enjoy listening to music and it does something to us, you know, whatever kind of emotional state that we're in. And so combining that with words that speak to the glory of God, the power of Jesus, his sacrifice, our um, justification and redemption, the story of the Bible, and how we're doing that on uh, you know, a consistent basis week after week does things to us. And I, I think a lot of it is probably subconscious because I don't think we're necessarily aware of that until like an event like now where it's been weeks since we've been able to assemble you know, as a full body and to just have regular services. And you're like, yeah, I missed this. <laughs> I didn't know what this had done for me until I was without it. No, I absolutely agree. I, I think what you said about, about it being a combination, that's what really resonates the most with me, where it's, it's not just about the sound waves that our voices produce, but it's, it's something deeper than that that you can't see and you can't necessarily ascribe to one of your senses in that moment. For me, the most precious memories and the, the best parts of songs that I can remember are the things that I associate with them, the memories that I associate with them. And, you know, mm. I, I have so many people reach out to me and tell me that, you know, this song reminds them of their dad or, or their, their parent or a sibling or a brother or a child. Um, or it reminds them of a memory or a time in their life when something, you know, they felt something. And that, that is absolutely divine. It moves so far beyond just the sound waves. It's, it's something that's precious because then instead of it just being about the sound waves, it's about, you know, Hebrews chapter 12 comes to mind. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, you know, talking about the, the, the things that we experience on this earth 
and the people who have gone on before us that mean so much to us and infiltrate all of the aspects of our daily life today. When we have those moments where our mind goes back or we hear a sound that reminds us of something or we smell something that gives us a memory of, you know, your grandmother's kitchen, you know, what do we have all of these senses for? It's it's to guide us and to point us back to God and the things that really matter the most and the elements of our life that are not temporal. You know, eventually the senses that we experience now will be done away with in the way that we currently experience them. But the things that God really wants us to gather from them, those will last into eternity. Mm, I like that. I like that. So what are, uh, Michael, what are some of the things that we do kind of help teach each other um, through the songs that we're singing? Well, for me, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is just the repetition of fundamental truth. Um, and for some reason, uh, we have such a short memory, um, us humans, and we need to be reminded of things that we've known sometimes for a long time. We forget some of these things. And so having other brothers and sisters around to sometimes sing words of comfort, sometimes we sing words of challenge and uh, admonition. Um, there are different messages in each song that we sing. So when we come together, and I think this is what the biggest challenge is in our worship today, and I've I found as I have grown, I've tried to move my own music and my own worship in in song, in, in the service, in church, I've been trying to push more deeply into understanding that bond of fellowship and teaching that we have. Because for me, I will say the biggest challenge of my life so far has been um, getting familiar with the songs and moving past it being just a vocal exercise. And sometimes I think in order to foster that, we really need to spend time talking about the songs before we start singing them, at least in the in the worship services I know I've been a part of um, in in my years of life so far. I feel like we don't spend enough time developing the thoughts that we're about to sing about. And sometimes we sing a song for the very first time and we've we've never read any of the lyrics. We don't know how the melody combines with the lyrics to promote a strong thought or an emotion within us that's supposed to point us to God. And by the time the whole song's over, we don't even know what just happened. You know, so we need to spend more time when we are going through these songs so that it's not just, you know, a minute and a half or two minutes of 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 just a blip of a physical exercise. It's got to be something that we internalize, you know, when we Look at the words on the pages we sing them. Those should not be the first time that we look at those words. So we come together, we sing these songs together, and we internalize the messages first and foremost. So we need to make sure we're spending adequate time doing that. Uh, that's, that's So, yeah, that's that's great. And it's not something that happens automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> It's not just, yeah, we have something to do, so we just kind of do it. And when it's done, it's accomplished. <laughs> Yeah, which um, and I love that that idea of preparation and of helping to explain because uh, I'll I'll be the first to admit there have been times when I've been in in the uh, the audience um, and I've needed that I've needed encouragement from a song leader or from uh, one of the men that's going to lead us in prayer or um, standing and presiding over the table just reminding me to cast the world and my thoughts aside for the moment, mm-hmm. you know, to, to refocus on what we're doing. 
And that is easy to do because, um, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the last time that somebody led Jesus Loves Me from the pulpit, but I'm sure songs like that or Holy, 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 and I'm sure you've you've got dozens you could list off as well too, songs that we've known since we were, you know, knee high. And you don't have to think about it mm-hmm. because we've grown up singing them. And those may be some of the most difficult ones to sing and to do so with the right attitude and with the right focus, because it's easy to tune out. Um, you know, just like hearing passages like Genesis one one or John three sixteen, it's like, yeah, or Psalm twenty three. I know that, and that's such a beautiful psalm. And yet, I don't know. Maybe it's our familiarity with it that we just don't want to give it the time and the attention that it deserves, I'm, I'm not certain. Yeah, I think there's a host of challenges for us to overcome. But, you know, I do think that it's something that has rich reward if we will spend the time, you know, just thinking about these things ahead of time. And as, as leaders in worship, you know, it's something that we need to take the time to do. And as participants in worship, it's something that we need to appreciate. Absolutely. And it's um, it's good, I think, also to to keep that in mind, um, especially for those of us who are men who do lead the congregation in singing from occasion to occasion to remember that that is part of our role that we're um, accepting when we're doing that for a worship service is to help to lead the congregation and not just in keeping tempo and staying with me, but I'm actually trying to edify them through the hymns that I've chosen and I want them to get something out of the song that we're singing together. And, and that can be hard, you know, if it's an especially difficult song that the congregation doesn't know well, um, or like you said, you know, if it's a brand new song that we're kind of springing on them mm-hmm. without any kind of preparation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We've all been there. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I thought you knew that one. Whoops. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a, a congregation of, of new brothers and sisters visiting somewhere. And I lead a song, and as soon as you start off, you know immediately, no one else knows this song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want to get too far um, into the, um, you know, asking about favorite hymns. I'll save that towards the end. But I do want to say thank you. I, um, I had not, at least in my awareness, I did not recognize uh, the 99 mm-hmm. until I heard your version of it. And that I got to tell you is one of my favorite recordings that you've done. Um, just the, the, the combination of the music and the, and the, the words is just, and, and you do such a wonderful job with it. So I just wanted to, to say thank you off the bat for that one. That's, that's been one of my favorites that I've had on repeat for, <laughs> for a good while. Well, I mean, that's honestly <laughs> one of my favorites too. So that was one that I had noted. Um, when I first started, you know, this project, this is one that I wanted to do. And, you know, just because mm. of, of some of the finer aspects of the song, I wanted to hold off until I felt like I could really yep. do it as well as I wanted to. And I mean, I'm absolutely sure. with you. I'm just, just the message of it. And, and the, there are certain words and phrases that stuck out with me. Um, I think it's uh, the last verse where it says, all through the mountains, thunder riven and up from the rocky steep. It's just the words are so descriptive and beautiful. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely one of my favorites. And 
I had a lot of fun recording that. <laughs> I probably spent a little bit more time on that, just just enjoying the process because I do do really love that song. That's that's definitely one of my favorites too. Oh, that's well, that's that's great. And for anyone who hasn't listened, please, as soon as you're done listening to the podcast, go and listen to it. It's uh, it'll do you a world of good. <laughs> but that that's a, a perfect segue into uh, my next question about. Um, how we edify each other through our singing. And I think that right there is a wonderful example where maybe we haven't on our own uh, done a lot of digging into that particular mm-hmm. parable, you know, about the, the 90 and nine, you know, where there's 99 sheep and then there's one that's wandered off. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and to find the one. And, you know, the, the allowing of, you know, digging deeper into that, and whether the, the author of the hymn is drawing on their own personal uh, experiences or just kind of speaking to general human truth about what it's like to be lost, about stepping away from the path of, of righteousness, going back into the world of sin and suddenly realizing that I'm overwhelmed and I can't do this on my own. And just knowing that there's a shepherd who's looking out for us, who is aware of when we're not near him and he's going to come and find us and bring us back is, is powerful, you know, and, and I think that thing, hymns like that help us to further understand and deepen passages. And I don't want to say they're speaking where the Bible is silent, but just in a way kind of helping to strengthen that foundation, you know, giving us um, practical application, perhaps where there's not, um, where we can see, you know, the examples and we can say, okay, yeah, yeah, I've definitely been that one sheep who's been lost. And that's why it's so important for me to know where the shepherd is and to stay nearby him so he doesn't have to go and find me. Or if I am safe in his comfort and he goes to find one who is lost, what's my responsibility to that one who's lost once they're brought back? How can I help them and encourage them? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking too much right now. I want to <laughs> let you, let you have a bit of time, but th- that was just kind of my, my thoughts about that, about ways that hymns kind of help edify us and how we can oh, edify yeah. no, each I'm other. I'm absolutely with you. I think, you know, one of the challenges that sometimes we find when we read a parable in the Bible is that we have to remember that often it was translated from often Aramaic or sometimes Greek. And so when we read it, depending mm-hmm. on the version that we read, there may be a little bit of an emotional disconnect where perhaps we, we can look at it and know what's going on, but something that the original audience in that original language may have gained might be tougher for us to understand in our cultural, in our historical context. Well, when you translate, you know, a parable into, you know, the vernacular, then maybe it takes a little bit more form, but then you understand even so that there's a difference between the way that we speak regularly, like you and I are right now, versus the way that you would write hymn lyrics. And then there's a difference between the way that you would read poetry and sing poetry. Um, And so all of these different steps toward changing or maybe not changing, toward moving a a passage of scripture into a song, um, sometimes just bring it into a different light. And then, of course, you know, as we've said, you combine these important thoughts with melody. And, you know, take, for example, this this parable of the lost sheep, um, which is one of three parables. You've got the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then ultimately the lost son. And 
like you have indicated at the end of the parable of the lost son, it's really all about, in this case, the people who were not glad that something that was lost was found. Jesus is talking to the Jews in that parable. And as you sing the song, the 90 and 9, there's no question what the tone of the song is. It's, it's that of joy, rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. It's a song of, of um, there's darkness in the middle where the, the tone gets minor and the, the melody kind of swashes back and forth, kind of like the ocean waves, you know, turning on top of somebody, but then it brightens up in a song of victory. Um, and, you know, when you combine all of these things, you get something that really does echo in the heart. Um, and I think that's why God gave us not just these parables and not just these passages of scripture, but he allowed us to combine these with songs and melodies and it, it elevates them and it teaches us even better. And like you said, that's a, that's a real life example that we can take because again, you know, if we're confronted with the end of that parable, if I'm not pleased because someone has been brought back, that's a good you know, self-revelation, you know, a self-examination, a, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And this song can help convict me of that without somebody having to come up and actually talk to me face to face about this. Or maybe no one else would know that this is something that I'm struggling with, or maybe I'm, I'm on the brink of being that lost sheep. Maybe I'm struggling with my own, um, my own human will, versus what I know God expects me to do. And so there's that conflict and I'm struggling with why am I, you know, still trying? Why am I still trying to be obedient when I know that what my heart tells me to do is everything that I've been told not to do. And songs like this can motivate me and remind me and in that way kind of accomplish that work without um I don't conflict um you know between brethren um, again I'm, I'm just kind of oh, speculating sure. there but but yeah it, it, it kind of does some of that work for us yeah internally and um, well i think what, what, yeah. what you're hitting oh, ahead, at please. Is, is something that i find true every day and that is that there is a song for every situation of life and that's 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 one thing <laughs> that's so beautiful about songs i mean even even in the secular world if you want to learn something that's difficult to learn Put it to music, just sing a song and you won't forget it. You know, it's a great study technique. And ah, and that's why that's why our kids, yes. you know, in Bible classes are learning all of these great fundamental truths to song. And I can remember the songs that I was taught in Bible class even now, and that was, you know, quarter of a century ago. So yeah, there's a song for absolutely everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, even last night, you know, across the Midwest, there was one of the most beautiful sunsets. Um, you know, as you look out and, you know, the horizon turns to a golden and then you've got the clouds rise up and it's a mixture of pink and blue. And the first thought that came to my mind, mm. most savior breathe an evening blessing, air repose, our spirit seal, you know, you know, a beautiful song that talks about the beauty of God and, and wanting his protection at the end of the day and seeing his hand in all things. Um, you know, that's. There's a song for every situation in life, and it just goes to show God's providence in giving them to us again. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a um, it's not a tragedy or a sadness, but it it does make me wonder if we were able to unearth written music that went along with mm -hmm. the Psalms, 
or if we had the, the technological capability of having a recording, what that would do for us. Because like you said, you know, when we, when we read poetry, uh, whether we're reading the Psalms or even taking uh, hymn, hymn lyrics you know, to hymns that are already written now, contemporary ones, and we're reading those, they are, they are powerful and they do speak messages, but there's, there is that disconnect and and like you've said you know when you take that and then you you amplify it with the the melody and with the mm -hmm. harmony what that does to us in strengthening that truth and then kind of strengthening our resolve in acknowledging that yeah. makes me wonder what that would be like if we were able to actually hear or you know like one of my favorite passages about singing in the bible is matthew 26 30 where right before they go to gethsemane jesus and the apostles sing yeah. a hymn it's like you oh what was it <laughs> how yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't think it was. Uh, did you repent? Uh, fully no. repent. I think it was uh, <laughs> in the hour of trial, probably. Yeah, probably so. Yes. Yes. Or oh, why not tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, oh, you, you hit it an interesting point, and and that is, what was the original music of the Psalms, and. You know, I think for us, that's certainly a matter of curiosity. We, we really want to know, one, because we know that David was not just a king, not just a prophet, but he was also a musician. And so we really want to know what, what music went with this. But, you know, I, let's, let's take a step back from it and, and see, you know, what would we have to gain from the music? Is there something that we could gain from that that we can't gain right now? I think for me, I mean, absolutely, I'd, I'd love to know it just from a, a curiosity standpoint, but also also consider that music has changed an awful lot in the last two, 3,000 years. And so, you know, the music that we might hear originally may not reverberate to us. It may not have the same striking melody that we would be expecting. But now think about what would it mean to those people who are singing it? Well, to them, it might mean a lot more. The combination of those familiar melodies that they're used to hearing and singing, it may mean a lot more to them than it actually would to us. And so what's the unifying factor? The unifying factor is what has been preserved. And again, we go back to our conversation about why do we really sing these songs? Why has God commanded us to come together and sing? It's because of the message. The message is the most important thing that needs to be preserved in these songs. And that's what has been preserved in the book of Psalms. Every single word that David wrote down and all of the other men who wrote in the book of Psalms, every single word has been preserved. And that's exactly what God wanted for his people then to remember those words. And that's exactly what he wants for us now to let the songs reverberate in their own melodies, in their own time, however it reverberates best. But remember the message. That's the most important thing to remember today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and how, how wonderful it is that, you know, we've got so many hymns now that are based, you know, very, very closely, if not word for word on so many passages and maybe not even ones that we would necessarily think would make, you know, the best hymns, but just through the careful thought and preparation and, you know, the talent of those men and women who lent their time and their talents to that. We have these hymns that we sing that suddenly we're aware of passages that maybe otherwise we wouldn't be able to commit to memory very easily. And so we're able to talk about, you know, 
know, um, <laughs> raising up on, on the wings of eagles or, you know, singing about the days of Elijah or, you know, um, just so many, well, like you said, Savior breathe an evening blessing, just thanking God for witnessing his hand of, of beauty in nature, which kind of harkens back to Romans 1. And it's it's just, it's amazing how, you know, we, we might think that, you know, oh, wow, that, that individual is really talented in doing that. But again, that's the hand of God <laughs> being providential in helping us and being edified in the work that they're doing, which they could have just written a regular I love you song for a you know, a man or a woman, but they they chose to to set this rather as a song of thanksgiving or a song of praise or or even um, a song of petition. Which sometimes I know we don't um, often have a whole lot of hymns like that. And I I'm especially thankful for um, your uh, your hymn "Enough for My God." That's such a a powerful song, and it's it is it maybe that's not something that we necessarily want to think of you know first and foremost but it's the idea of needing needing something from god and and asking for his help or his forgiveness we it seems like we don't have as many of those songs as we do songs of of thanksgiving mm-hmm. and praise well i suppose it's difficult to say <laughs> You know, if you, if you were to go through and, and count the songs, I, you know, you might be right. I think we are more familiar and maybe we sing those songs of praise more regularly. Um, you know, if you think about, you know, what we try to accomplish in the worship service, most of the time you'll have at least one song of praise, one song of prayer, reflection, one song that gears our mind toward communion. And then you'll have maybe a song that deals specifically with the topic that is being spoken of. And then, of course, you'll have an invitation song somewhere at the end. And and that's just a general formula. But, you know, where does the song of expressing our own helplessness and weakness fit in? Whereas a song with praise, you can sing at any point in time during the worship service. So maybe maybe that's why that's just my speculation Mm -hmm. if I'm doing a little bit of the math on it. But I will say that I do think that there are a lot of good good um, hymnists, hymnologists, whatever the word might be. There are a lot of good musicians who are writing good quality (laughs) hymns right now. And so, you know, supporting some of these songs and taking the time to learn new songs. I know sometimes that's intimidating for us, and it's not something we often like to do. You know, if a song gets led in worship and nobody knows it, sometimes that, that makes people feel a little bitter at times. Uh, I, I would challenge challenge mm-hmm. all of us to have the courage to learn a new song and, as we've said, to meditate on the message of it beforehand. And we might find that this song reaches us in a way that, you know, a song that we are familiar with hasn't. Um, and it provides a level of depth. It expresses a certain emotion that we haven't been able to express so far. That's that's excellent. And I love that. I love that challenge. Um, and, and it's not, you're right. That's not something that we should shy away from. Um, I feel like Paul talks about that really well in first Corinthians 14 and verse 15, when he's, you know, he's talking to the Corinthians and he, you know, he says, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind. Also, I will sing with the spirit and I will mm-hmm. sing with the mind. Also, yeah. it's a combination of the feeling as well as the acknowledgement mm-hmm. of the logic behind it. And, and maybe and I could be wrong again, Michael, I, I know a lot of this is just speculation between uh, two guys who, who like to talk about spiritual things, but uh, um, 
but I do wonder if if sometimes uh, we on the more conservative side of of uh, Christianity shy away from certain types of hymns or learning new songs, um, things that are maybe a little bit different uh, departure from what we're used to, because we're fearful that it might become too emotive. But I mean, really, that's part of the whole point of mm-hmm. songs and hymns is to to feel to feel the message and we can't you know divorce the two because god expects us just as paul told the corinthians i want you to sing with your mind but i want you mm-hmm. to sing with your heart as well for sure <laughs> well I, I do think there are some types of songs that stick with us more than others i mean not not every song is going to be a favorite song um but yeah if we'll spend some time worshiping with the mind and in the spirit and yeah we'll certainly reach that level of depth and you had talked about paul and that brought up to my mind what what hymn do you think paul would be singing while he's in that philippian jail oh wow that's such a good question um Uh, maybe uh, we thank thee, Lord. <laughs> How about uh, for all the blessings he is of able the to year. deliver thee? Ooh, I like that. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> or master the tempest yeah. is raging, and yeah, yeah, something, something that would kind of suggest the feeling of being overwhelmed, but yet coming through. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he will deliver thee. <laughs> That's so good. Ah. Uh, and all of a sudden, there it is, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." That's, I'm, I'm sure the Philippian jailer was like, "Why are they singing about deliverance? They're not going to get delivered." And then, boom! <laughs> <laughs> Writings on the wall, man. <laughs> but it, but you know, and again, that's um, that's something that I don't think can be emphasized too much is the fact that the other prisoners were listening to him, and. So whatever words they were singing and whatever emotion they were bringing to that mm-hmm. had an effect to where when the earthquake happened and the doors opened and the chains fell off, Paul could tell that jailer, don't yeah. harm yourself. We're all still here. Yeah. And that doesn't happen, you know, for sure on accident. <laughs> oh, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's a great thought. Yeah. 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 Got a little bit of goosebumps going down me there. That was good. So, nah. <laughs> well, so um, before I before I get to uh, to some of your favorite hymns, just you know, from from uh, one one singer to another, what what can you uh, what sort of edification can you give uh, to us as your audience tonight? What are things that we can do um, to be more focused, more engaged when we sing? Um, if we're struggling you know, with uh, either uh, whoever it is who's leading or their choice of songs. I know my wife is, is fondly, not not uh, der- derisively, but, you know, just mentioned that, you know, some of the congregations she grew up in, you know, the, the song leaders would have a, yeah. you know, about three or four hymns mm-hmm. that they would just kind of go through those kind of, you know, wagon ruts in the, in the ground, just really, really digging in there. Um, but what, what can we do? so that it doesn't become rote and it just becomes automatic and we're turned off and, and the effect of what God intended the songs to do just it kind of glosses over us. Well, what, what can I we totally do? understand that feeling uh, of, of being limited to a couple songs. There was a small church that I um, used to speak um, at every so often just up the street from, from where I grew up. And, and they had a, you know, a smaller 
number of songs that they sang. It was a smaller group of about 20 to 30 people. So I, I can understand, you know, that feeling of lacking a little bit of motivation. Um, the thing I would encourage is to look at the songs outside of worship service. Let these songs become a part of you, not just from 9 to 11 on Sunday mornings. Um, you know, let them be part of you and share them with other people whenever you have a thought. Um, you know, we have such a beautiful um, means of technology and communication around us, you know, to where if you can just send the lyrics of a song as you would any other text message, um, you know, somebody who needs a thought, somebody who needs a prayer and say, hey, I saw these song lyrics and I was thinking of you, you know, and that's just one way. But I guess the way that I would approach that is try to make these songs a part of who you are throughout your life, not just a part of the assembly. And that might mean taking a songbook home with you and, and spending some time looking into some of these words that men have chosen to communicate things that they thought were important. Um, now, as far as worship in the assembly, things that I think we can do, uh, if it's possible, I know some places you will know the songs ahead of time before they're presented. Either they'll be put up on a board or maybe in a bulletin. Um, I would encourage you to go through those ahead of time and know what you're going to be singing and let those words guide your your heart in your worship. Um, I, there shouldn't be a part of our worship where we're shocked or we're surprised or taken aback because that detracts us from the heart of worship. Our, our, our hearts in worship should be totally linear. It should be just a smooth trip toward the intended destination of the praise of God. And so any preparation that we can do, whether you're leading songs or whether you're singing songs um, among the congregation, any preparation that you can do ahead of time is something that's a worthwhile investment. You will see the fruits of that um, in your worship if you'll invest in it ahead of time. Mm, preparation. I like that. <laughs> Which, and again, I know you've probably heard uh, several times, but that's that's a perfect uh, comparison to uh, to how men have described heaven as it's a prepared place for prepared people. So, uh, but God, that's that's what He wants. You know, God is not a God of uh, uh, just right. throwing things together haphazardly. You know, <laughs> kind of do it do it halfway and and that well, hey yeah. just the fact that you showed up okay yeah. that, that that that's good you know he he, um, he expects yeah. us to, to give our best because that's what he did he gave his that's best. A, a mature position to come to and when i was was a young man I, I wanted to partake in leading you know songs and, and partaking in worship and you know eventually i just learned how to to do it in a way that i thought was as good as i could do but there's a difference between doing as best as physically possible and doing as best as spiritually possible. And it takes a level of maturity to say that, you know, maybe I could prepare, you know, for about five minutes before worship and throw it together. And maybe nobody else would notice, but I would know. And instead, would I be more richly, would I be more enriched if I were to spend more time ahead of time doing this? It, it takes maturity to come to that conclusion and, and to want to spend that time, but that's something we should all do. Agreed. Agreed. And thank you for that encouragement. I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, it, wherever any of our listeners are, 
are listening from whatever size of congregation you have, um, don't don't ever feel that your your singing is subpar, that it's not acceptable. Um, and the way I know that is because uh, you know when we get to Revelation and we look at the golden bowls of incense and the angel tells John that those are the prayers of the saints. And I can't tell you how many times I've struggled with prayer, um, whether I'm actually doing it publicly or just privately. Um, these are not things that are eloquent and flowing and just beautiful. You know, sometimes I, I really struggle with trying to put two or three words together that are coherent to try to explain what's going on just because my mind's distracted. And I'm sure there are people that probably feel that way about their singing, you know, whether they're, they're, comparing themselves to other people or they just don't think that it's what it should be but god loves that and that's what god wants and he just as he thinks that the prayers of the saints are incense so are the songs that we offer and so i just definitely want to encourage everyone to sing to sing you know with your hearts and and that's what gives god the most glory and the most praise and the most happiness um, and I know that sounds so odd, but it's just like um, if anyone has had children, you know, or been around small children and they sing for you <laughs> and just that feeling that you get of being being rewarded with that gift, I think is very comparable to how God feels when he hears us sing, whether we're doing it perfectly in pitch, uh, perfect harmony and perfect notes and perfect words, or if it's not. And that's OK, because, again. We do, you know, sing with our mind, but it's also. No, you're absolutely right, Nate. and that's what God wants. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was leading songs. Actually, it was more than a couple of weeks ago because it was before all of our pandemic stuff started happening. But I remember I was leading the song "Tis So Sweet to Trust <laughs> in Jesus," and it is a good one. It's it's a beautiful song. Oh, it's a good one. And I, it's not a song that I've ever had an emotional response to. I don't have any associated memories with it. I just know the song and I like it. But I remember as I was leading it that day, um, I looked out into the congregation, and my oldest niece, who is uh, going to turn nine this year, and so she's getting to that point where you know she can read and start reading music and following along, I saw her singing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," and I, I lost it immediately. It was uh. – it, it takes on a different meaning. You know, when you see, you know, your loved ones and, and you see children, you know, soaking in these precious messages, it's, it's mm -hmm. uh, it just hit me hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and, and like you said, that's, that's intentional. That's God doing that. And it's, um, and you, and, and you see that sometimes, uh, you know, if you, if you ever go to a nursing home or visit someone who's shut in, who's not able to be around people, who's up in years, and you sing some of their hymns that they know and how they light up and they might join along and sing along. You know, it's, 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 it's tangible. It's, you, you feel it, that, that electricity. Um, and it is, it's something that we share. And I just, you know, again, I'm so thankful to to have you as my guest tonight to to talk about this because this is not something that we should ever begrudge or uh, you know not look forward to doing because it's so powerful and it's such a a powerful um, uh, whether you want to call it you know a, a mission or um, uh, uh, you just it preaches on its own 
and, and it does so much more to us, I think, than what we do realize. And it's so powerful. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, I'm, I'm really glad you had that moment, Michael. That's, that's great. <laughs> and thank you for what you do because you are a, you are a regular part of uh, our household. Uh, we, we have you uh, playing through our um, assorted playlist that we have on, on Sundays and Wednesdays and then throughout the week as well. And it's just so nice to have your voice filling filling our house. So you've got uh, you've got at least one family in well, Louisville that uh, um, sings I'm along with you. Chosen to use me in this way, <laughs> well. and um, I, I suppose that's about all I can say. Um, God God is able to take the small things that we can do and make Dang. them much greater than we ever could. So. Praise God for that. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Well, I did want to ask you, so I know the 99 is oh, definitely man. on there. What the are some other your, your favorite thing is, I find myself constantly saying, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. And so by now, I've had to have told people I have at least 150 different mm. favorite songs. It, man, it really just depends. <laughs> now, as, as for the songs that elicit the, the strongest emotional sure, response sure. out of me, and I think that's what makes a song our favorite. Um, there's a simple song that we sang growing up called Alleluia. And it's, it's just oh, a yes, song. Yes. It's just two lines. It's easy to sing. Um, but in the second verse, the alto parts add in the descant. And my Aunt Rhonda, who passed mm -hmm. away in 2009, used to sing that. And every time, every time we sing that song, I just, I just hear her voice just as, as clear as I've ever heard it. I've not heard her speak to me in 10 years, mm. 11 years. But as soon as we sing that song, it's as if she's, she's right there with me singing. So that's got to be up there for me. Um, now, as far as, you know, the depth and the richness of lyrics, I think some of the best lyrics are in a song that's rarely sung called Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. Yeah, the lyrics in that one Ooh. are very strong. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, it's, it's a challenging melody, um, <laughs> but the lyrics themselves, those, those songs, those just mean something. Those are the kind of songs that you need, as we you know, mentioned, you need to look through those lyrics and, and understand what you're reading. Cause if you don't understand, because sometimes, you know, the poetry of days gone by can definitely go over our heads and it can be lost when we sing certain songs. Um, but there's some richness in there to where if you're willing to take yeah. the time to chew on that bone, it's, it's some really good stuff. Now. So I'll give you a third <laughs> as far as, uh, the, the songs that are just fun, okay. that just get your spirit moving and lift your face. Um, yeah. Well, that one, I suppose, is tougher because there are a lot of songs that do that to me. <laughs> um, but I would, so let me put me, <laughs> I'll put you in this position. One, one of my favorite things that I do um, with my family is almost any time we get together, my brother, my sister, um, and their families and my mom and dad, almost any time we get together, we sing songs. And so, you know, if in, in one of the songs that we sang on my mm. CD, um, we did What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We all sing together. Um, 
So if I were with my family singing yeah. right now, the song that I would probably want to sing, I'm going to say uh, Praise the Lord is is a classic. That's that's a really good one. Mm. Uh, also, a tie for second place is Salvation Has Been Brought Down yeah. and the new song. Those are two of my old, old favorites. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. Woo, the noose, man! You were oh, you swinging for the. I also the, swinging also for the put in the walls came tumbling down. That was just a bunch of fun. Um, the kingdoms of earth pass away yeah. one by one. There's one we don't sing very yeah. often. How about uh, Christ returneth? Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Amen. Yes. <gasps> oh, yeah. that's such I mean, a great there's, one. There's, oh, yes, I, I couldn't stop. Wonderful, I got wonderful, started, I stop. Oh, excellent voice. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, I think you've probably done um, most mm-hmm. of the Noel Shaw uh, hymns, which, of course, you know, I, I know we've got. Um, oh, okay. I, my my personal favorite is Terry with me. Um, that's yeah. one that just never gets old mm-hmm. for me. I just love that one and uh, the Vine. Both of those, I just. But I know that um, one that kind of fell out. I know it's in sacred mm-hmm. selections, but kind of we fell shall out call rejoicing, was, uh, bringing, bringing in the sheaves. Yeah, and that was mm-hmm. a, a fun. That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, and uh, but another that I've had. Oh goodness, probably for about a year now. That I just it, it never gets old, um, and I I just love hearing it. Whether I get to lead it or or uh, another gentleman is uh, far and near. Uh, I just and and. You know, as you, as you mentioned yeah. with uh, the ninety nine and some yes. of the, I just uh-huh. when we get to that chorus, Hear Lord of Harps and Fourth Reapers, it's just mm, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, those those are some old ones. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And it's just I've, I've not gotten to sing those in a little while either. Yeah. Let me ask you this real quick: What's what is your favorite song to sing <laughs> that gears your mind toward communion? Mm-hmm. The Lord's Supper. Towards communion, I mm-hmm. really like um, the breaking of the bread. Okay, but we believe, and I really like we saw the not. said why seek the living with the dead. Those yeah. are two of my. That's right. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, both of those because and and for different reasons. Um, I you know we saw the not uh, is more of a for me if I want to think about the uh, the. The rejoicing, the success of the mission of Jesus, that he accomplished what he came to do. And so because of that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we commemorate his death, but we celebrate mm-hmm. his life. We, we celebrate that you know, up from the grave he arose. Um, so that kind of helps with that. But then the breaking of the bread, to me, I, I think because it's a little bit of a slower tempo, uh, it, it helps me to yeah. kind of focus more on the actual implements themselves, the bread and the fruit of the vine. And, you know, yeah what it was that he he gave and why he did what he did and, and trying to um, focus more on that moment. Uh, but those are two, two of my favorites. Now, have, yeah, I how about you? Do you, do you have a communion one you like to, or a couple that you like to think of? That one, it, uh, that one almost brings you to tears. Just mm. the, the roller coaster of emotions that that song takes you through. Rooted over the veil. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're just right there in Gethsemane with Jesus in tears yes. and sweat is blood. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. Um, there's also Oof. one that mm. we don't sing very often. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever that's heard a song outside of you know, the little church where I grew up. 
and that one's called that one's called In Remembrance. Have you ever sung that one before? Mm-hmm. Talked about it's got a little bit more of a joyful tone. Um, it talks about the the body that was broken. It talks about this crimson cup reminds us of that dread scene long ago. So it it breaks down the communion, uh, but the chorus is it's like mm. um, it's just all about rejoicing. Thanks to God for such a savior, now enthroned in heaven above. Thanks for this exalted favor, blessed memorial of his love. Yeah. I if I were you, I would go take a look at that one. If if, yes. if you've got a songbook and yes. they've got, got yes. that in there. That one's one of my favorites that uh is not sung enough in my yeah. opinion. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> well, I okay. was going to uh to to um, make a request of you for one of your future recordings. Um, I would love to, and, and this, this is definitely one that would kind of lift your, lift your cheeks a bit, but, um, it's actually at the, okay. towards the very end of, um, the RJ oh Stevens, uh, hymns yeah. for worship, <laughs> but it's a song called resurrection. Oh, yeah. It's a two pager. Yeah. It's one that there's, there's a couple hymns that, uh, or maybe, maybe more, maybe probably a handful, mm-hmm. uh, that I just know in the back right. of my mind, I'm never going to lead this mm-hmm. into conversation setting just because of either the difficulty or just be it's not an appropriate type of right. i mean i would never want to get in front of people and say yeah. okay you know yes. you all have to be music yeah. trained in order you know, know it's I like oh sacred head mind you know <laughs> um but that's that yeah but resurrection man and especially with your four-part okay. army i would love well, to consider hear it. i've i've you actually do that one <laughs> in the congregation because there's that moment i've I've got i've read through by myself um so you know i know the gist of how it goes but yeah yeah i totally get what you're saying it's there are a lot of great songs out there it's like um and i've had several Uh, people send me messages saying i try to get people at my church to lead this song but nobody will lead it they say it's too hard you know it's like will you sing this song so yeah i'll I'll take that into consideration for sure Oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure you've got. Well, and and like you said, you've got uh, the sixth album you're yes. you're working on now. Do you have a um, a tentative release date um, for that one? Not sure exactly which which day in November. Typically, I do around the first Friday okay. in November. So, whatever which one that one is 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 my tentative release date for it. Okay. Well, fantastic! I'm so excited. I, I I just I love the fact that you're you're still recording, and that you're putting them out. And um, and please uh, let everybody know where uh, where we can find your uh, your music and your albums, uh, where we can get those For at. Sure. Because I know you that everybody would love to, to, page, to hear more of of your work. Called Acapelbridge. Um, you can also find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon Music. Um, just about any place the digital music is is available, or you can go to my website acapelbridge.com, and you'll be able to. It'll funnel you to any place that you want to go from that website as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, and and everybody, just please listen to uh, to to Michael's recordings. They're wonderful, and um, just. I encourage you all to to sing, lift your voices and, and hearts and, and praise and worship. And Michael, thank you so much for, for being my guest tonight. It's just been a, a thrill and an honor to get to talk to you and, uh, and to shed a little bit more light on uh, this aspect of worship. Absolutely. I really and, appreciate uh, looking you. Looking forward to, uh, to our next episode together. <laughs>